0: Hey, so good to be with you. If you're still grabbing coffee, this is your 30-second warning. Um, Yeah, find your way back into the room. So glad to see so many of you back from vacation. Some of you were away, went back home and came back for the semester. And many of us are, we were just here. We, we, we were nowhere. Um, but yeah, it's so good to see all of you together. Um, this is such a wonderful privilege to meet together as the body of Christ. I share this often when we meet, but we should never take it for granted that we get to meet as the body of Christ. There are nations right now, this very moment, who do not have that privilege. Um, the fact that we can do so openly and Love the Lord, and proclaim what He has done is something that should be treasured. And for anyone who's visiting us, if this is the, your first time here, my name is Judah. I'm one of the pastors here at, or pastors. I keep some, a lot of people are giving me feedback that that's the one English word that I've not gotten rid of. I say pasta or something. I'm a, one of the pastors here. Um, And I'm delighted to share the Word of God with you this morning. So we've been working through a series called Hidden Treasure. And this is taken from Jesus' remarks to His disciples. He was teaching them about how the kingdom of God operated. And He wanted them to understand something quite specific about how the kingdom of God is not like any earthly kingdom. And how God's economy operates is not like how ours operates. Because there is a tendency to try and force fit God's way of dealing with us into our earthly system. And we expect certain things based on our earthly system. Just to recap what we did the past few weeks, I want to go back to the fact that God is looking for the secret heart. So God is not just looking at what we display on the outside. Neither is He talking about what we say is in our heart. He's talking about the stuff we don't say is in our heart, but is in our heart. Those are the things God looks for and He addresses them with love and He comes to us and He says, I want to help you with this. Like this morning, I hope you got the love note from God. There are a very, it's amazing how guilt can riddle somebody with this incapability of pushing past certain things because guilt holds them back. And God in his love wants you to know that even though you might be saying, yeah, I re- I've received the work of Jesus and I'm so thankful that Jesus has set me free. On a deep level, in the secret heart, guilt has not been dealt with. And Psalm 51, verse 6. I think we have Psalm 51, verse 6. And Jesus says to each one of us, I want to see truth established in your secret heart. The psalmist in Psalm 51 says, Lord, you desire truth in my secret heart. Help me walk in your ways. Help me walk in your truth. Yeah? You see that verse right there? So this is something that I want you to be established in for yourself. So if it, is, if it was regarding that word about shame and guilt, receive that and say, Lord, help me. Because there are certain things I would say publicly, but I've not really worked with internally. Help me with that. There could be something else the Lord could be putting his finger on. But it is never, 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 never to call you out to shame you or to expose you in a way that he says, now there, now, see, I found the secret things of your heart. No. He comes to you in a very personal way and he says, I want you to grow. I want you to come closer to my heart. So that's always his goal. So when, and I've given this illustration before about being a parent, when we watch our children go through different things, we don't just simply push down their throat something that they need to do. They need to respond to this. Or you sometimes see attitudes. You some, I mean, morning, a lot of it was on display. Um, how many of you had the perfect morning service if you were a parent in this room? It's like, well, which kid? What? Hot chocolate? What? You don't know what's going on. But then you respond to certain things and other things you're, you let go of. But there are conversations that will happen Which takes some time. It's not going to happen overnight. And God is committed for the long haul. The issue is, are you committed for the long haul? Are you convinced that He loves you? And that's the second part that we dealt with. God's love is inescapable. You cannot get away from His love. Romans 8 tells us this. He desires truth in our inner inner part. But not only that, He wants you to know that you can't get away from His love. There is nothing that you can do. There is nothing that anyone else can do. No angels, nor demons, no height, no depth, nothing in heaven, nothing on earth, nothing under the earth, nothing can separate you from His inescapable love. His love has got you in a vice-like grip. So with that as the context, when He comes to you about the affections of your heart, the things that lead you astray from Him, He's never calling you out, Do I need a different microphone? Okay. He's never calling you out to just simply show you this is how bad you really are. You know, you talk a good game in church and you talk a good game for your family, but this is how... He's never doing that to you. He's calling you close to his heart. Every single time you hear the Lord call you out on something or you hear the Lord draw you into something that you are not practicing... It is always Him maturing you. So I hope you hear that and continue to just make that the bedrock for anything you receive from God. Because there are, there are so many times I've met people who are either so frustrated with church because something was said to them or something was corrected. And then other people who are like, you know, this didn't go right and this shouldn't have happened. Guess what? God's in the business of putting you around a lot of messy people and all of them are in the process of growing too. Are they going to be perfect all the time? No. But when we come alongside one another and say, this is something that the Lord is addressing in us, receive it as the one who is your Father, who loves you, who wants to help you grow. Now, as the ones who are doing the dishing out in, the, in this process, just halt for a second say, am I carrying my Father's heart when I do this? Is this something that I just want my Christian rightness to be portrayed here? Or am I carrying my heavenly Father's heart? So that will be something that will be good for you to hold on to. So for today, I really want to get back to this whole idea of homeland. That's where I ended last week. I hope you received something from that. From Hebrews 11, um, we were in Hebrews 11 verses 13 through 15. It says, these all died. So we were talking about the, the, these people we call the heroes of faith. And specifically Abraham and the way he believed God. These all died in faith, not having received what is promised. But having seen them, they greeted them from afar, having acknowledged that they were strangers and exiles on the earth. For people who s- speak like this, make it clear that they are seeking a homeland. And this is often a verse I would have skipped over. But this is a very pivotal verse in how you walk through the walk of faith. Because the walk of faith almost entirely hinges on this perspective. For the people who speak like this make it clear that they are seeking a homeland. If they had been thinking of the land from which they had gone out, they would have had an opportunity to return. So when God calls you out of darkness, and this is, I want you to remember the the series that Bob taught us just a few weeks ago. When God calls you out of something, He's calling you into something else. When God draws you from something, He's taking you to something else. The problem is, we live in our bodies and our affections and our desires are often conditioned by the things that we grow up around. And he pulls you out and he says, I've called you out of darkness into my marvelous light. Now, I want to set you on a path that's that way. But home still feels like home. I know my kitchen. We just got back home and I was like, I missed my coffee from my coffee maker. And then you say, I missed my bed, even though I complain about my bed at different times. I miss my pillow. You know, there are certain things about home that make home home. And the hominess of home makes you want to look back. But that's home. That's home. Those people I love, that's home. That job I have, that nice white picket fence, that finally paid off thing, everything, that's home. And God says, I've called you this away. Walk with me. And you're like, yeah, but let me take care of that. And Jesus, in, in when he was talking, he said something pretty harsh. He was like, if you cannot let go of your parents, your father, your mother, you have no part in me. Is he saying don't care about your parents? Was he saying don't bury your dead? No. That wasn't his point. His point was your heart is so stuck on those things that long after you've left the zip code of wherever it is, your heart's still back there. It's not in the moment where you and I are. So when God calls you into himself, he's drawing you closer to him. He's saying the problem is you're with me, but you're not with me. And I am in the process of working things out in your heart. And I will never rush it. I will never bruise, read He doesn't just simply say, well, you should follow me. And I, you have denied me, so therefore get behind. No. He knows that we fail at times. And he'll pick us up and he says, no, that was not what I asked you to do. Come back here. Let's walk. It's so almost like how we raise a toddler. No, you fell on your butt. Again, get, let's get up. Let's go. This away. No, but no, this way. No. I mean, and how many times as a parent? You know, you're like, kid, you should have got this by now. But you do it again and again. Why? Because there is a, an alertness to your voice, first of all, that your child needs to learn. But also that your voice means something. You're saving them from danger. You're giving them instruction to grow them. That when you say, I said no, you don't love me. No, it's not that. Why doesn't a kid immediately run to, you don't love me? Because they know that's not true. But sometimes they get tricked into feeling like that. It's because you don't love me. And that's why we went through what we went through last week. For you to know that if he gave his son for you, how? I I told you to ask yourself this question. How will he not also give you all things along with Jesus? If he did not spare Jesus for your sake, if you think he gave his only son for you, you're like, no, he's holding out on me. He gave you his only son. So along with Jesus, everything is yours by right. Right. So this whole idea of homeland, of looking backward versus looking forward. I want you to read this passage this way. Matthew chapter 6, verse 19 through 21. Do not not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy, where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven. Where neither moth nor rust destroys, where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, I can assure you that's where your heart is. To put it in Hebrew's language, where your homeland is, is where your treasure is. What is home for you? What is, this is my territory, this is mine? That's what you treasure. So as long as the things of this earth, good things, mind you, not bad things. I'm not even addressing the fact that there are bad addictions, habits, all of these different... I'm not even touching that yet because those things are included anyway. But I'm talking about the good stuff. Like having a good job, being a responsible adult, making sure I have a wife and have a home you'll be surprised how much it absorbs who you are. And then the next thing you know, you're walking through life just trying to catch up. With keep, I want to keep my wife happy. I want to make sure my kids get through everything that they need to get through. I need to make sure that this happens. And your whole life has become about facilitating or propping up various things that guess what? They're your kingdom. They're your kingdom. So how do I make the building that I do the kingdom of God? In Corinthians it says, Make sure you build with precious stones, with gold and silver, not with hay, stubble, or grass. With things that will burn up easily. Because when God judges what we have done, all the things that burn will burn away. Only the things that were made with eternal things will last. So while I'm building a home, while I'm building a family, while I'm loving my wife and raising my kids and making sure that I give myself completely to them, am I sowing, am I building with precious things? Things that will make it through the fire. Because guess what? I cannot take the land I own with me. I sure cannot take my kids' bodies with me. Think about all the things that you are so, affect, so affected by that you have an affection for. Good things. And God, so I want you to see on the heels of understanding that His love for you is not trying to pull something away from you. He's not trying to say, well, you love that more than me, so I'm going to pull that away from you. No. He's drawing you to a place of surrender, and this is that key word, where whatever's in your hand, if it's my wife, if it's my kids, if it's my home, if it's my job, if it's whatever it is, Lord, I bring it to you that it might be a blessing to my family while we have it, but I exist for your glory. I exist for that homeland. My homeland is there, not here. So the way I live everyday life has that that gate. My my posture in life is that way. I want to remind you of another word that the Lord gave us last week of, of kneeling before him a heart internally that is surrendered entirely but on the when it comes to living out front you're standing and walking in the things of God not because you're you're Mr. fancy pants but because you're the person who says this is something God has done in me so I can step into these things if he calls me to take on a job that's a million dollar proposal that that that's going to be like earth earth changing Guess what? The wisdom for it, the stewardship for it, everything God will provide. I do not try and become that person. I step into it with him. And on the other hand, if he has said, sell everything you have, give your money to the poor, don't keep for yourself anything, I want you to roam the streets. Guess what? There is a blessing in that. But in the American church, somehow we have concocted some way where this is the blessing of God. And this is not really what God has for you. The issue is, are you holding his hand and has he called you? Because your homeland has everything you need. That's where your account is. That's where your treasure is. So what this earth has to offer, whether it is poverty like Situations or rich wealth and success and glory. The point was never me. The point was never this home. If I get to enjoy something, if I get to enjoy a, a great house and wonderful kids that turn out perfectly. Great, I still give glory to God in that. But if I'm in the middle of a mess and I'm like, Lord, how did I get here? And I don't know how to figure this out. You're in there too. Because you will never leave me. You will never forsake me. This is your promise to me. And I'm caught in your inescapable love. So me trying to judge my circumstance as the the test for whether God loves me is a bad one from the get-go. So when you are established in the truth that God's love for you, John 3, 16, is more pivotal than you know. When you're established and believe God loves me, that whoever believes in him will not perish, but have everlasting life. And that word everlasting life does not mean I will extend your mortal life into the future. It is a totally different quality of life. Now, next week, we'll discuss some of these things about what kingdom life looks like. But for you to understand that living with God starts now. It starts now. Don't wait for eternal life for after you're dead. Eternal life is now. When Jesus came, he says in John ten ten, I came that they might have life and have it. It's that kind of life. It's Zoe life which is abundant, everlasting, overflowing life. That kind of life, not bios life, that once it's lived its course, it dies. But Zoe life, it's almost like a constant, it churns out more as it goes. It's an overflowing, my cup overflows kind of life. So when you see this language through Scripture, you've got to understand Jesus, God is talking about specifically life touching you now. Life is going to touch you when you get to the other side of death too. But the problem is we often interpret eternal life as that part. But eternal life is here and now as well. So live eternally minded. Live with eternity in view. Start laying treasure for eternity now. Don't wait for then to say eternity will take care of eternity treasure. Eternity treasure he's watching for. Those who will build with earthly stuff versus people who will build with eternity-based stuff. So what is this eternity-based stuff? Just one more verse before we get there. Matthew 6, 31 to 33. Therefore, so don't be anxious. So when you're worrying about the things of your life, and you feel like, hey, I, Judah, I understand what you're saying. I get what you're saying. But I still have a family to feed. I still have bills to pay. Jesus says to that specific question, he says, so don't be anxious. So when I tell you where your treasures is, your heart will be, don't store up treasures on the earth, store up treasures in heaven. When you hear that, you get jolted a bit and you're like, but what does that mean for me? What does this mean for my daily life? Jesus says, don't be anxious, saying, what shall we eat? Or what shall I drink? Or what shall I wear? For even the Gentiles seek after these things. That word Gentiles there is in the context of people who don't believe in God. People who are not connected to God even worry about these things. And your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. That is some, sometimes that skips our brain. It's like he doesn't know I need this really. Like if he could just fix my marriage, it would be Okay. But he's after something else before that. And you're like, he knows you need your marriage work done. He knows, you need, he knows you need financial help. He knows you need help with your kids. But he's touching this today. And you're like, but why? Fix that. He's like, well, I know you need them all. But when you seek first the kingdom of God and His Being right. I want you to see his righteousness is not just the fact that God. But do you think God is right? That's a big question. Righteousness is a very fancy Bible, like $10 word. For understanding that God is always right. And when he says something, it is so. So for me to stand in righteousness is to call what He says right, right. That is me walking in righteousness. It's not me acting, Oh, ah. Remember we started talking about what holiness is? It's not the songs and long robes and nothing. When He sets you apart, He's calling you to a place where you walk the right way. You walk with Him. You're not trying to figure out, how do I get homeland figured out over here? He's like, your heart is set on where I'm headed, and you're going with me. So guess what? You're walking in righteousness. Where I am, and what I have done for you, is your truth. That is what you call true. So when you do these things, when you seek first the kingdom of God, and His righteousness, all these things, the help you need in your marriage, the work you need in your finances, what you are, not, you are just totally out of the loop on how to deal with this thing with your child. He says all those things will be added to you. It's not just money it's talking about here. God knows the deepest things in your heart, He knows the things in your secret heart that ache. He knows them, and He's not indifferent to it. The problem is, we think we know exactly how to medicate it and to fix it. So we think, God, if you fix it this way, and He says, no, we're going to touch this first. You're like, but that's not even related. It's related, because this is what I want to touch first. And then a few weeks later, maybe years later, God touches something else. Just read through. When you read through the Bible, you'll start to see God's heart come out more and more. All the way. Don't skip anything. Go from Genesis all the way through. You will start to see that God's mercy comes to people to just display His love. To withhold punishment so that grace may abound. Even in the Old Testament. The problem is everyone thinks grace is a New Testament concept. The grace of God. This is just an aside. But wait, like it was something I was just reading. It's remarkable that Methuselah, who happens to be... Does anyone know? Trivia. How old was Methuselah? 969. No one's beat him yet. Okay? Now... Methuselah was Enoch's son. Enoch walked with God and he was taken up. Guess who came after Methuselah? Noah. Many, a couple generations down. But we all know Noah for what? The flood. Right? The flood happened. The whole earth was destroyed. Now everyone reads these accounts and they think, Well, God destroyed the earth. I mean, God was really mad at those people. Isn't it remarkable that Noah's name means comfort and rest. The rest and the comfort of God was going to come. But generations before that, when Enoch walked with God, when God walked alongside Enoch, And he has this son. He says, you will name him Methuselah. Methuselah means his death will bring it. Imagine walking around with your death shall bring. This guy's death was going to bring the judgment of God. Guess what? The sin of the earth was already at peak. And God's mercy relented. He was offering a period of grace... For things to happen, where God held back His hand, guess what? The longest period ever known in one lifetime. The longest living human was a measure of God's grace. Of holding back judgment until His descendant Noah came. So when you look at these things through Scripture, you, you sometimes think, oh, God changed His mind. God never changed. He's the same God all the way from Genesis all the way through Revelation. So it's not a New Testament concept to see that God holds back and rather would work with those who would respond to Him. One by one. One by one. Psalm 42, verse 2 says, My soul thirsts for the living God. When shall I come and appear before Him? This is what it means to seek after the kingdom of God. This is what it means to seek after treasure. When his presence is of value to you, you will find yourself seeking after it. I understand what, what Donovan was doing of encouraging us to respond to certain things. And when he says, you know, come prepared, what are we preparing for? What do you prepare with? I mean, I I showed up. Like, what exactly are you expecting of me? So let me put some flesh on that. You come saying, your presence is what I want to encounter. I don't want to just encounter a song or a teaching or good, good encouraging words. I want to meet with you. Lord, I ask that you would affect my secret heart to desire these things. Because I know you love me. I want to love you back that way. Awaken my heart to these things that your presence matters to me, like Psalm 42 says. When can I go and appear before God? When can I see your face again? That's my heart desire. And this is where I got our title from for this series. Matthew chapter 13, verse 44. The kingdom of heaven is like hidden treasure in a field, which a man found and he covered it up. Then in his joy, not in his greed, in his joy, goes and sells all that he has, everything he's got, everything he called home, everything he called mine, everything that was, this is for me. He sold everything and he says, he goes and buys that field. Again, the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven, is like a merchant in search of fine pearls, who finding that one pearl of great value Went and sold all that he had, everything, all of his merch, and everything that he had up to that point. Imagine, as a vendor, imagine, I mean, we have lots of people over here who run their own businesses. Imagine everything, inventory that you have, everything. God, I'm getting rid of all of it, so I can get this one thing. For who? For me. Because my economy has just been turned on its head everything that was valuable to me or how I create value has been switched. Psalm 25 verse 14 says, The friendship of the Lord is for those who fear Him. And to them He makes known His covenant. These are the treasures of God which are hidden. It's one thing to know that Jesus did something. Which is why whenever I hear people apply biblical truth in generalities, I understand what people are trying to do because it is so. It is so. Jesus has died for your sin. It is so. God is your provision. It is so. But now... I'll pull one of us apart and I'll say, Is God your provision? I ain't seen that yet. (laughs) I'm still trying to make ends meet. And the way you're processing life is still stuck in a different truth. The truth that God is provider has not yet met You've not yet reached that place of covenant where that's real to you. It was amazing. I mean, this was a few weeks ago when I was teaching. My sister Rosie helped me articulate this much better. You have a relationship with God that is settled. You are a child of His. But you and I, that does not correlate to the fellowship you have with Him. The relationship you have with Him is settled. But the fellowship you have with Him isn't. You and I have to respond with hearts that seek after it. And He calls you, and again, not in a judgmental way. Not in a, you rotten scoundrel, I cannot believe you didn't seek me about. No, He as your Father knows you are weak. He comes to you and He says, my son... My daughter, this is where I want you to seek me. This is what I want to touch. And He will wait. He will never force feed you His love. Jeremiah twenty nine thirteen. You will start to understand these verses a lot more when you understand this context. You will seek me and find me. When you seek for me with all your heart. I am not going to make you seek me. No. You will find me when you come after me with your heart. There are things that I have hidden for you. Not for anyone else. For you. They're for you alone. But you will get it when you come to me. And God trains a certain, my homeland is this to my homeland is you, Lord when I have shifted focus and that starts to become the prevailing truth in my life, Lord, you are my homeland. This is where I'm going. Then suddenly the wins and the losses of this life stop having a hold on me like they used to. Because if I lost a job, it would have crushed my world. If I lost something, someone I loved, it would have crushed my world. But when I know my homeland is there all of these things are put into the balance of there is a glory to be revealed that I have not seen yet. So I greet it from afar. And I'm like, that's where I'm going. So even though my earthly life dims and I go into the grave, there will be some things I achieved and there will be some things I did not. It's okay for me not to have achieved some things. Because my goal was there. So when you see Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the Hebrews tells you this. These were people who were supposed to inherit this promise of God making them a nation and a descendants. They didn't see any of that. In fact, following Jacob, they were going to go into captivity for over 400 years. But that's where they would become a nation. That's where they would grow. So much so, to this day, Jews are maybe the most... Prolific people all over the planet. How does God stay faithful to a promise He made? Abraham saw none of that. If you were seeing it with human eyes, you'd be like, well, God gave up on that dream. He decided to go with plan B, which is the church. There are, this is something many people misunderstand uh, grossly. Is it The church is not equal to... Israel. The work and the promise God has for that nation is unique and it will come to pass right down to the last letter. The church is not the new Israel in that context. But we are a chosen people of a different line out of Abraham's lineage. We are a lineage of faith. And he says for them... We are called the bride of Christ. There are things that we inherit, which they don't. So for us to try and, mish, and mishmash everything together and think, oh, it's all one thing it isn't. Because Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob saw nothing, and they died. But they greeted it from afar, and they were like, homeland's there, it's coming. They saw past 2023. They saw past all of the Middle Eastern conflict. They saw past all of the things that we seem so bogged down by. Oh, I don't think this is ever going to work out. How many of you feel hopeful for the Middle Eastern conflict? Nobody? But do you understand? Someone whose homeland is there, not here, sees the purposes of God fulfilled. Proverbs 8, verse 17 says, I love those who love me and those who seek me diligently find me. For God to be your treasure, for God to be the one you love, it takes responding to His love first. Which is why in John 14, when Jesus is talking to His disciples, He often brings back this question of Are you abiding in my love? And if you do, you will do the will of my Father. The problem is we have flipped that statement. We've put the cart before the horse. And we've said, Do what Jesus says, and that's how we know that you love Him. Because that's how the translation works in English. But He's saying, Because you love me, and you abide in my love, do what I've said. That's how you proved. See, if, if you actually do what I've asked you to do, you show me you love me, right? This is I mean, it works with our kids. Stop looking at it like some Christian checkpoint list of saying, you know, if I've done these things, then God knows I love Him. That kind of theology has messed with so many people's minds. But when God says, no, you're my child. You're not, a, you're not some servant who's trying to get some chore list done. But when I have asked you to do something, I expect you to do it. Why? Because you love me. I'm not just Joe Schmo somewhere sitting there saying, Hey, can you do this? Can you go pick up your dishes? I'm your father. When I open my mouth, it matters to you in this house. The problem is in some of our houses, mine included, my voice doesn't matter too much. Ah, that is what we need to remedy is when I speak, it's your father speaking. When your mother speaks, it's your mother speaking. There is a value to that voice being heard in the house. So as those who live in this house, the moment I hear that voice, I spring into action. Regardless of what I'm feeling, what I was doing, I was just five minutes and this and that. Irrelevant. Your father just spoke. Your mother just spoke. It's something that we have lost in Western culture. We feel like we owe it to our kids to give them an explanation for why we spoke. No, it's the other way around. God, and that is why when you read passages like this, you get confused. You're like, why didn't God give them a reason for why he told them to do what he said he would do? Because I don't need to give you a reason because I am your father. I love to give you the reasons as we're doing stuff. I'd love to give you reasons as we're doing stuff because I'm your mother. But this you owe me an explanation for everything. That's where we get off track. So this is why we don't seek after his voice. This is why we think he is an opinion to be had. We come to God as an opinion master. Yeah, I'm just going to, I mean, I'm going to seek the Lord. I've been, when I've heard this several times, people making big decisions and they say, I'm seeking the Lord about it. And I'm like, are you seeking the Lord about it? That means what he says goes versus, are you taking like a straw poll to see how long, if it works out? I mean, and I've heard these things. God opened a door. Stop walking through open doors. You'll do all kinds of damage to yourself. Open doors were never an indication of God's voice. The problem is we have diluted the relationship and encounter with God to open doors, happenstance, something working out. Guess what? That can happen to even an unbeliever. You have the privilege of hearing his voice, so when he opens his mouth in your house, you say, yes, I'm listening. The problem is we that. So we try and medicated with all kinds of things. I have Bible verse for the day. I have this. I have that. And we will massage our ego that, yeah, you've heard from God. Yeah, you've heard from God. Guess what? Your secret heart didn't hear nothing. You know, I'm not calling you out. I'm calling all of us out. We have done this to ourselves as a nation, as a church in globally. We've done this. We have medicated it with Bible studies, with more stuff, with people's messages, podcasts. Sure, all good stuff. But you must hear God. And that is why, this is where I must end. When you seek after Him and His commandments matter to you, His word becomes life to you. The Bible you hold in your hand is not a trivial book to get a second opinion from. It is my truth. Psalm 119 verse 10 and 11 says, My whole heart, with my whole heart I seek you. Let me not wander from your commandments. I have stored up your word in my heart. Do you see the language of a treasure hunter? I have stored up your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. I want to preemptively get rid of the things that draw me to other things. So I want to put your treasure in here. I want your words to be what fuels my day. So when I'm faced with something that would draw my attention, I already have your word being a lamp to my feet. And a light to my path. So I don't have to ever wonder. uh, Is God in this? Am I seeking? Should I ask the Lord? Should I put a fleece out? All of these things happen. Because we are trying to. Jimmy rig something. That was never supposed to work that way. He was saying. Seek after me. I want to talk to you about this. And the Holy Spirit wants to give you. Confirmation specifically. Not Some vague. So when God was talking about guilt today, it wasn't a general word. There is someone here who has responded to guilt in a different way that God's saying, I want to address that. He's not being generic. This is for everybody. No, there is somebody. There is a one somebody. Do you understand? When God addresses things, He knows you he doesn't know everybody. Yes, that's why I'm understanding biblical truth is general. It, it is so. But he's talking about you. He's talking about you. He is not talking about just everybody responds to the word. He has stored it up for you. So in 2 Corinthians 5 verse 9. This is my closing. Let us make it our effort. Whether we are home or away, I make it my aim to be pleasing to Him. You want to know how to be a good treasure seeker? Make this your goal. Lord, I, everything in my heart that says, Oh, Judah, you need to do this for yourself, or you, re- you really deserve this, or you should, that shouldn't have been done to you. you, didn't, you, know, you it's not about me. I make my aim to please Him. Lord, is this pleasing to you? How do I rectify this situation? How do I deal with my spouse? How do I deal with my children? How do I deal with my boss? I want to please you. And then respond to the word He gives you. Use His written word and use your time where the Holy Spirit gives you assurance. The assurance that the Holy Spirit brings when He takes the word, the written word, and He confirms it into your spirit. God is my provider. Now that's truth. It's no longer, I guess God's providing for everybody. No, 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 no. Providing for me. Because I met with Him. And I know that I will not be shaken. So even if I lose my family job, I lose my home, God is my provider. And I will walk through this. I am not afraid. Let's pray. Father, We thank you for your word. We thank you that your word is life and truth. I ask, Lord, that you would sanctify each one in your truth. Lord, that any word that was not from you, Lord, would fall by the wayside. That everything that is of you would bear fruit, rich fruit in each one. Lord, that we would be treasure seekers that seek after your heart only. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.